And I'm Diana. And you're listening to Fiction Kitchen, where we're cooking with inspiration from our favorite books, movies, and TV. Today we are talking about a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket. Three children lose their home and go to live with someone awful. He tries to steal their fortune with a plot that's not quite lawful. It's hard to fathom. I can already tell you're gonna sing for us on this episode. Because <laughs> I can't get this song. Oh. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> The one that's been stuck in my head is, it's the cow, it's the cow, oh, yeah. it's the cow, it's the cow, it's the cow. And the two, the twin ladies, like, bobbing their heads. Back. Oh, man, so cute. Yeah. Yeah, I've had MPH crooning in my head the last week or so, so. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's fantastic, fantastic. Well, yeah, we'll talk much about it. Um, we both masked up for this episode. Yeah. We're wearing Korean yeah. sheet masks. <laughs> yeah, Carrie, Carrie sent me some in the mail. I got this this mysterious package. <laughs> <laughs> and she was afraid to open it, lest it be like a venomous snake or something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is this? And then <laughs> and then it was face masks. I was like, oh, it's scary. So that was really cool. So I'm what, what I have Hanbang on. Hanbang Bio? I don't know. Ili? Yeah, it's Ili brand, lotus flavor, Hanbang inspired, which is like the Korean herbal medicine. Yeah, and they just smell really good. (laughs) Yeah, so this is my first experience face mask. Thanks for saving it for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so we're both masked up. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's do it. We're going to talk about unfortunate events. But first, it's Tasty Time, where we talk about what's going on in fiction food. Tasty Time. So we're smack in the middle of February. Mm -hmm. And I've been so out of it, um, I fully joined the resistance. That's why I've had no time, and I keep putting (laughs) off this podcast. I'm out protesting. I'm out punching Nazis. um, And I don't even... (laughs) No, like, what is Food and Flicks movie, and what is the, um, Phantom Foodies theme this month? Oh, Phantom Foodies is Final Fantasy. That's right, yes. <laughs> so, for Final Fantasy, yes. of course, with Final Fantasy fifteen that released uh, not too long ago, a lot of the recipes are centered around that. Well, because it has, like, tons of food, there's a character named Ignis who, like, is the cook. Like, he cooks all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, so Final Fantafeast, hashtag Final Fantafeast, and then Food and Flicks, I think they're doing Pan's Labyrinth. I think so, too. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that yeah. was this month or, yeah, or, pretty sure. or next month. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to jump in on that one because I love that movie, and it's all mm-hmm. about, yeah, um, you know, <laughs> it takes place it in the time of fascism, yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How relevant. <laughs> Are we going through our own dark fairy tale right now? And we kind of are. <laughs> Please. Some the, I'm hoping the fawn will show up one of these nights. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so let's do our own tasty times. Um, so, yeah, you were just talking about I sent you something in the mail. That's because you're constantly sending me things in the mail, and it was like, <laughs> finally, time for me to return the favor. <laughs> but one of the things you sent me is this adorable little book called Alice in Matcha Land by Masoko Miyatsuki. And you had received it to, um, you know, having a much more popular blog than mine, <laughs> you had received it to review. 
Um, but you don't eat, uh, like, green tea and stuff. So you asked it. I would like to do it. And I said, of course I would, because it's adorable. So Yes. Yeah, so Manga University contacted me, Mm -hmm. and and I said, I will, I said, send it to, (laughs) send it to Carrie. Yay! (laughs) Send it to my book. Yeah, so. So I'm reaping the benefits, yeah. But it's adorable, so it's like kind of an Alice in Wonderland story. Um, It's illustrated, um, yeah, very much manga style. And she just meets all these cute little characters in Wonderland, and they all talk about different foods, and it's punctuated with recipes. Um, so we've got, like, the Caterpillar's Magic Chocolates, which, of course, you make with matcha, and let's see if I can find another one. The Dormouse Begins with Mmm Pudding. <laughs> yeah, which is, like, a matcha, um, custard kind of thing. Um, yeah, so just, like, a bunch of really, like, cute, um, yeah, recipes that I'm, I'm looking forward to making and reviewing. So thank nice. you. <laughs> yeah, it looked super cute. Yeah, it's adorable. Online, so. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the cute creations. I've actually seen, like, a few of our blogger friends um, also reviewing it, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing it floating around, so very cute. All right, so how about you? What's your tasty time? So along the food comics uh, train, I guess, the track, (laughs) (laughs) um, there's Space Battle Lunchtime by Natalie Reese. So this came out, uh, well, it was separate issues. So right now I have the, I like to get collected volumes. So this, I have volume one and volume two comes out uh, some point this, maybe in the spring this year. Um, <clears throat> but volume one is called Lights, Camera, Snaction. <laughs> but it's about I like it. a, a pastry a patissier or a girl that works at a, a bakery or a pastry shop and on earth <laughs> and she just in the first couple pages like she just suddenly gets whisked away to a space it's kind of like master chef or iron chef or something like she gets <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's like a all competition of a taken yeah taken to like this space cooking competition show like awesome <laughs> So she has to figure out what the heck all these ingredients are. Oh, like space and... ingredients. <laughs> yeah, like so. Yeah, everything. And then there are some, uh, some people in the show who are, you know, trying to mess everybody, up, mess their opponents up, and you know, sabotage. And so she's, you know, she's Earthling. She's like has no idea what's going on. So it's kind of that, you know. But she perseveres, like somehow, like things work out for her. Well, but it's a cliffhanger at the end of this this volume so stay tuned it's gonna work out very yeah (laughs) but um but the artwork is just really great like it's so colorful and natalie reese her style is just really really great yeah i just i just googled it it's beautiful yeah yeah and there's so many foods that would be fun to try to replicate like there are things that look like cupcakes things that look like maybe like a key lime pie and yeah so but of course, it's all space ingredients. Oh, very so cool! Just make it up. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really looking forward to volume two. And I met Natalie uh, at Small Press Expo last year, so I don't know if I'll see her again this year, but that would be cool. So yeah, awesome. Space battle lunchtime. Excellent. 
All right, we'll put those links to what we were just talking about on our website, fictionkitchenpodcast.com. And now we're going to talk about a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> I I had like I was driving one just one of these days recently and in my mind I was coming up with this whole like monologue to say <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Like so, but then I but then I forgot to like write it down. So now I don't have anything. I just a, a, a lemony snicket like narrator time. style. Yeah, yeah. What would what, what would we say? Turn back now. I know <laughs> for the podcast you're about to listen to is full of misery and woe <laughs> and dis disdainful desserts and <laughs> hey that's pretty good for on the fly i'm impressed <laughs> something i don't know what are some other like and just when you think he's done narrating he continues <laughs> <laughs> i love yeah, it and then we'll take a pause we'll give you a moment to turn away yes i love i love how like they did that in the netflix series and they also like in the 2004 movie they're like well like i saw it in the movie theater and so it's like there's a there's a movie about a happy elf or something, I don't know, something like, in, or, because they were describing another movie. Oh, that was, that was like, out time. at the same time? <laughs> like, go, yeah, go watch so that like, movie if you want to see that, that movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, they're like, go see that movie in the next theater. And then, <laughs> but yeah, so it was, it was really funny. <clears throat> yeah, I love how they make it sound, like, all dire and horrible when it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's whimsically bad, <laughs> but it's not Yeah, <laughs> crazy bad. But that's fun, like, as a kid. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, like, you feel like you're doing something forbidden or whatever. Like, no, no, tell me more. This is why, as an adult, like, I'm a true crime addict. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this is what these little creepy kids turn into. (laughs) So, yes, give me more. The darker, the better. (laughs) So, yes, so the the Netflix series just came out. The the books, um, what, what were you saying? The first one came out in 1999. Yeah, and I yeah I didn't I didn't remember that it was that they came out that long. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I do just because I didn't read them at that time, but that was like my last year of high school. Nobody do the math, please. Um, <laughs> and um, my my little sister I think was just getting into them because she was like super into Harry Potter, and I think these books were kind of riding on that popularity too. Yeah, because you know? Potter came out in ninety eight. Yeah, America, so just kind of like yeah. a whimsically dark story with smart kids, you know, same up the same type of alley, you know, no magic. Yeah. But <laughs> like I received the yeah. first five for Christmas one year, but I can't remember. <clears throat> I mean, it might have. I mean, obviously, it was when maybe the fifth one had just come out, so maybe that's why I'm thinking yeah. of like early two thousands. Yeah. And then, of course, there was the 2004 movie with Jim Carrey was Count Olaf. Um, yeah. And, I, yeah, I don't remember it that well. I definitely saw it. Um, I remember liking it. And I definitely remember the end animation sequence, like, during the credits. Yeah, I love that. Like, I went back like and... silhouette type animation. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, the cutout like, type. silhouette. And yeah. it's got, like, a really cool little um, song over it, too. And, like... I love the music to that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, re- I remember the, that um, I vividly. <laughs> like, that's yeah. one of the things that inspired me to, like, want to learn, like, web animation. Because I'm like, oh, I can do that type of stuff. Because, like... Oh, so cool. Yeah, the cutout stuff looks so cool. But it's also, like, not as difficult as, like, you know, mm-hmm. the type... Full on. Yeah, full yeah. on, like, <laughs> make the people look like they're moving animation. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is the technical term. 
So, <laughs> anyway, so yes, this new series is fantastic. Like, I love the feel of it, and it really is the Neil Patrick Harris show. Like, he he steals the show, and it. Um, but the, the kids are pretty good too. You know, like um, I I have a real thing with child actors. Like, they can be so annoying and terrible actors. Yeah. But like um, the the oldest one, Violet, is um in particular, I think, is very good. And um, what else has she? What. Been I don't know. I went to her IMDb, um, but I don't remember anything that stuck out at me. I don't know. She, yeah, like, she's right. like she's a fairly right. newcomer, I think. And she looks mm-hmm. remarkably like, um, what's her face? Whoever the girl was in the 2004 movie. I know. They, they, they look they so are, much alike. That's, I noticed that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the, the, the middle one's fine. Like, he doesn't bug me. He's not my favorite. But like, oh, Sunny the baby's so cute. <laughs> Yeah, she is. Yeah, and Klaus, I think Klaus is, I like the casting that they did for him, because he, he does look like Klaus from the book, like from Brett Helquist's illustrations. Oh, okay, nice. Brett Helquist, so I, I feel like Lemony Snicket kind of jump-started his illustration career, because his, so he did the artwork for the books, mm-hmm. and it's so, I don't know if iconic is the right word, but like. It's it's so perfect and so like memorable and like and it he has a, such a such a style yeah, of his a own. Distinct... So like whenever I've seen it, like seen his artwork on like different like other book covers or whatever, like he, it's the kind you can just instantly be like, that's Brett. Yeah, Hopkins. he's like immediately like, recognizable. Yeah, yeah, and and so he let lent his artwork lent its itself very much to like the atmosphere of the books and too yeah too, so that was really cool and it does have that like kind of like whimsically creepy feel ever yeah. since she used that um term to describe amelia like i've been using it all the time <laughs> well to describe what she likes oh yeah <laughs> she she's not creepy <laughs> yeah Her taste well, is... so, well when she like appears by your bedside <laughs> At night. That's a little creepy. But... That is creepy. And then something wakes you and you see oh. the shape. Yeah, I was not that's... trying to insult your daughter. I was trying to compliment her because <laughs> no, she has I'm... excellent taste. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. I mean, uh, yeah, I know. It's fine. <laughs> but no, that's like the perfect um, way to describe like so many of these things that we end up doing. Yeah, like um, Nightmare Before Christmas and, you know, this yeah, type so of stuff. Cause, yeah, because it's yeah. not like full on, you know, scary, but it does have like kind of a dark feel. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I really like how they, um, you know, the, the Netflix series is very, like, um, stylistic, you know, like, the outdoor scenes mm-hmm. are very kind of, like, kind of dreamlike, and, um, everything has kind of an interesting feel to it. And, like, <laughs> Kim Olaf doesn't look quite real, he looks like a cartoon character, because, <laughs> you know, he's got that yeah. prosthetic nose and everything. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I, I, Neil Patrick Harris, like, his, it was something, it was in, like, the, I'm pretty sure it was the first episode, um, but, yeah, Count Olaf, like, he's a horrible person, and Neil Patrick Harris is a great actor and stuff, but it, but it's interesting, because at some point, while I was watching it, Neil Patrick Harris's eyes stood out to me, like, it's these very kind, soft eyes that are in the face of this character that's supposed to be really horrible. I mean, he plays Count Olaf like, perfectly but then for some reason at one point like, just all of a sudden, like, Neil Patrick Harris is, like, him as a person, like, his eyes just 
stood out through the character, uh-huh. I guess. <laughs> so, I, so it's like, I'm not saying he didn't pull off or doesn't pull off Count Olaf because I can see him through the character. Like, yeah. That's not what I mean. But I just mean, I just thought it was... No, I think I... I guess I, it's, it, it's a compliment, I guess. Like, Neil Patrick Harris has really kind... Nice eyes. <laughs> so even a heart, like a miserable person like Count Olaf can't yeah. ask. Like... No, I think it kind of needs <laughs> that. <kinda> like, <laughs> you know, it's not that he's giving him, like, a humanity. Almost like, it's kind of like a mischievous twinkle, you know? Like, he knows how yeah. awful he's being. But that kind of helps. Like, for example, like, the story... I guess that's true. The first like... storyline could have been so gross and creepy because he's it's like a child marriage story you know he's trying to um marry violet so he can get her fortune which this storyline could be really gross you know even though it's not like meant to be but because it's so like (laughs) outlandish and he's so like um just like cartoonish about it it like ends up not being creepy you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah, like so. I think it it kind of it kind of needs that like lightness to the portrayal or whatever, or it could get like almost too dark, you know. Well, it's also it's interesting too because like Count Olaf is a murderer. Like, yeah, (laughs) he and his cronies or whatever, like they murder people, and like and we know about it, like in the books and in the and then of course in the show, and like. So and I like yeah, how so they I don't. The... I like how they don't shy away from that either. It's like last last episode you were talking about troll hunters, you know, and how they don't yeah, they don't really pull like, any punches from the from the violence or whatever. But I was th- <laughs> that was kind of on my mind as I was watching this because I'm like, damn, they like you know he straight up kills their second guardian or whatever, and then they find him and like that's really awful. <laughs> And like this, yeah. you know, dead bar- body. Well, it's like, like a that big... in the books. Yeah, yeah, but like I, 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 I like that. That you know, um, yeah, not just yeah for the TV series, but just the story in general. That like you know, yeah, they don't shy away from these dark topics, even if they don't go. Like, well, that's what I mean. It, it's interesting because, um, oh, and thank you. I'm glad that because <laughs> like when I was talking about troll hunters, and I'm like, yeah, like a character says, I will drink the blood. <laughs> I'm like, wait, that probably does not sound like. <laughs> But I am praising the show, but yeah, it's that whole thing, because in books, like, even middle grade books, which, so middle grade is this category, and it's, like, ages 8 to 12, basically, Um, and, like, in books, things, I feel like things are, or generally speaking, things are more hardcore, like, there's death, there's killing, there's, I mean, it might sound horrible, but I mean, it's... It, but it's good narrative. Yeah, um, and it doesn't ring false. And it you makes know, like if, sense if, they, if it happens. Yeah, like if, if they shied well. away from this or kind of dodged it, it would feel weird, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, because the, there wouldn't be weight to the story right. or um, direness and things like that. And so I appreciate it when TV shows or, like, especially adaptations keep that element of direness and, like, the truthfulness of the situation because so often and I think Netflix because it's it is like its own beast can can do that like they go by different rules and um because like a network like a a regular network uh channel right they have to they can't have they have to say destroy or they have to (laughs) you know whatever like yeah that's just been my observation throughout my tv watching life like (laughs) And so I just appreciate, yeah. So it's cool that you picked up on yeah, that too. Yeah, totally. Um, so what's very cool? Um, I don't, I don't know the exact details, um, but in some of the articles that I read and like interviews, um, like there's a really cute interview. Um, there's like a little show called Popcorn, 
um, with someone. <laughs> with anyways, I, um, this uh, fun guy. He like interviews actors and and things. Anyway, so there was a, one recent episode of Popcorn that um, Neil Patrick Harris was interviewed, and it's just like a short, a short little show, um, little episode. But he talks about a series of unfortunate events, and he was saying. Um, and this is in other articles too, that I guess for the 2004 movie, um, there were people involved. So like Lemony Snicket, who's the author, AKA Daniel Handler is his real name. Um, What a great nom de plume. I love it. (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) I love how they worked. How they worked. It's also in. Yeah. (laughs) Food wise. Um, in the show. Uh, and then the director, maybe of the Netflix series. I think I'm probably getting everything mixed up as I, I forgot to look up his name. Anyway, there. so Lemony Snicket and another person that were involved in the 2004 movie, but they were fired or left or something um, because the the other people involved in the 2004 movie wanted to like change things so much and, um, and then Snicket and uh, this other guy, they were not on board with that. Um, and so it's very cool because they're the ones who are, who are in charge of the Netflix series. Awesome. So it's it's very much what Lemony Snicket like. Lemony Snicket wrote the the screenplay and stuff. Like he's super involved with the Netflix series, and that it's, like that's always very cool to me when the the original creator of a work is involved. Yeah, and like it can really gives their blessing or whatever to. Yeah, and it can really become their their vision. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So. Yeah, so it's cool. So the two, so the vision of those two people is now what the Netflix show is, and uh, and so I've like, yeah. So I've read the first four books. <laughs> I'm, I read the first four books um, to kind of match up with the Netflix series. So the Netflix series is, I mean, this first season of it is the first four books. Yeah, so, so like two episodes. two episodes per mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been really cool to see how how they're the same. Yeah. So the, how, how the episodes it... are the same and how they're different, but in good ways, like um, understandable ways. And I kind of wonder if, like, um, Lemony Snicket or Daniel Hander, if he's, if, like, the Netflix series is kind of a, a chance for him to rewrite his stories yeah. or like kind of correct mistakes or like oh yeah this this actually works better than how I had it before. I've definitely so noticed this, this with adaptations especially ones that like the authors are heavily involved in it's like because I used to complain all the time about how like oh they changed this or that for no reason and it made it worse but I feel like in more recent years like some of the changes mm-hmm. have been better and not just to streamline it but like to make it make a little bit more sense or like to yeah. give it a certain weight or something like that. Like, I've, I've definitely noticed that with um, with Game of Thrones. Um, like, some of the changes they've made, like, make it even better than it was in the books, you know? So, and, and that's something that, yeah, the author was involved in. So that maybe it's the same case here. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's almost like they get a, a, a chance. Like you said, to correct it. Like, he's had, you know, what, like, 20 years to kind of sit on this. And yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I wish I had done it this way. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, I mean, that was his, you know, so, I mean, I think that was when he was first starting to write, too, so. Oh, okay, so like, he's probably so definitely yeah, grown so as a writer over the years. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and so he's able to 
you know, make things, you know, and then of course that's translating into the visual medium. Um, but yeah, so I read the first two, two books and like half of the third, um, years ago, like when I first got the books, um, so yeah, but what, mid 2000s or early 2000s, yeah. And I enjoyed them, but then also I didn't because I, I, like, I don't know, the style, I realized that the style, at least at that time in my life, was kind of tedious to me mm -hmm. because there's a lot of, and this means da-da-da-da-da, and this word here means da-da-da, but I like how they did it in the show where it wasn't as, like, overbearing. Right, I and I liked it too because... <laughs> it was more funny. It's funny, yeah, because it, it also <clears throat> highlights, like, the intelligence of the children because it's, usu exactly. it's usually the, um, what's this? How the kids under are underestimated. Right, right. Honestly. They're like, this means that. They're like, we know. <laughs> so. what it means. Yeah. So I like that they kind of, uh, yeah, added that layer. Or it's kind of like po poking fun at the book, maybe, in a, in a sense. But also, um, because, uh, like, when I was younger, as I was reading it, I was like, ugh, of course, we know. Like, I felt that it was kind of condescending. But then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but then in, this, in the show, they were like, stop condescending to us. Right, right. We're kids. We're, kids. we're not stupid. Like, exactly, yeah. <clears throat> I love it, too, because, like, yeah, the kids are, like, immediately on to, like, what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> like I, that's very cool. <laughs> like Count Olaf will show, show up in like some stupid costume, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so they're, so. they're like, "No, you're Count Olaf!" Like immediately. It <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly like that in the books. Yeah, and, yeah. I feel like yeah, the books are very much yeah that kids are <clears throat> smart, resourceful, and good, and then they are. But as as is a sad fact of life, like children are acted upon constantly. Yes, they have no agency. And, yeah, yeah, and so so it's kind of constantly like reacting, like having to react in a world of um, terrible grown-ups. Mm -hmm. I mean, terrible in different, very different ways. So that that's also very interesting, like throughout the series, and then also you know, which is. Um, displayed in the, the Netflix series as well is the different levels of terror like how grown ups can be terrible to children like it can be neglect it can be uh, well very direct like trying to kill right, you yeah. or take your, you know steal your fortune or just simple incompetence you know like yeah, tr trying to do the right yeah. thing but just being an idiot yeah. <laughs> so. or like being so caught up with your own problems or your own fears or being oblivious to what children are trying to communicate to you and so just a lot so that so that's also interesting so it's kind of like if you're a grown up reading this like or watching this have some like maybe self reflection. I don't know. Like, are you no, totally. Yeah, because yeah, no. I mean, kids are beholden to us. You know, it's like up to us yeah. to take care of them, and you can be as good hearted as you want. But you know, if you're not smart about it or not actively doing the right thing, then they're the ones that suffer. So yeah, yeah. So, but but again, it's all like like the whimsy. It's all wrapped up in whimsy. Yeah, like, or you know, a, a narrative. And, and, you know, these things are all, like, they, they're extreme, like, ridiculous things that happen. 
and but but again, that's what fiction is for. Yeah, is yeah. To kind of be a, a mirror, hold, a holding mirror, holding whatever. up a mirror. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> I mean, probably go into lighter topics, but I thought that was cool that it, there's also you know the these important themes that run throughout the series. Oh yeah, so, there's layers, man, yeah. layers. <laughs> so this, my kids are actually downstairs right now watching this as we speak. Um, oh, cool. We started it together, but then because I was trying to watch a little bit more for the podcast, like I ended up watching more after they went to bed. And um, mm. Zoya, my eight-year-old, was so mad at me. <laughs> she could not believe I watched without her. So she's catching up to where I am. And we're going to watch the rest together. And so I was pleasantly surprised that like she's as into it as she um is so I'm def- she's a perfect age. She really yeah. is. So I'm gonna definitely she's... pick up the books for her too because she she just recently like blew through the first two Harry Potter books. So I know that this oh, would be the perfect nice. thing for her right now. She's a total bookworm, and yeah, she's really liking the story, which is cool. Well, so the book that was one of my qualms with the books and why I kind of put them down um, years ago, but then I picked them up again, you know, for this, and and I enjoyed them also you know we read things at certain points in your life and and then if you read them at other points it's a different experience mm-hmm. so. yeah <laughs> but um, yeah i might read along with her because I, I think yeah yeah think that'll be fun but the but the books like i didn't get a feeling at least the first like two and a half or whatever i didn't get that feeling that there is more to the story like it really was just a series of <laughs> events and i in the truth but then like the, the 2004 movie at the very end they like added more to the plot or exposed more of the subplot or like the you know more of the mystery and like overarching thing that's going on mm-hmm. Um, in in the the world of the story, and but I did not get that feeling when I when I first read you know the first couple of oh, books, okay. and so, it, you know they end kind of like the books all end in a self contained story. Yeah, so it's almost like, like too, and then almost too episodic. <laughs> yeah, and so I really really appreciate how in the Netflix series right off the bat like it's total spoilers for the books like but it's because you have to know that there's more to these stories like there is an overarching mystery the secret society you know like they totally just dive right into that in the series yeah which is nice the the netflix series yeah Yeah, because i think that (laughs) I mean, maybe that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, maybe I should have added more <laughs> in the first couple books about the fact that there is, you know. Or maybe that wasn't even more going in on. the plan in the first couple books, you know, so. Yeah, I don't this know. Was I like mean, a they chance, always had the, the eyeball back. tattoo, like the eye tattoo was always there. So, okay. I mean, that was, that was there, but it was never given as much, like, I don't know, like, oomph or whatever to, anyway. So, yeah, so I appreciate how they did. So, like, spoiler, and I mean, if you watch the first episode of Unfortunate Events, you instantly know, like, the parents are still alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so, I mean, I don't feel like that's too bad of a thing to say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, like, the creators, like, they chose to instantly put that in. Like, yeah, so yeah, you, so. You know that there's that whole other story going on, and I appreciate that, as like, from a story perspective, mm-hmm. or... I think that's good. Yep. Anyway. Agree. Food. Food. Let's do food. <laughs> yeah. All right. Pasta puttanesca. 
<laughs> so puttanesca comes from the Italian word puttana, <laughs> which means which is usually translated as lady of the night. <laughs> yeah, prostitute. That's a nice way to say it. <laughs> yeah. So dinner is served puttanesca, and Count Olaf says, "What did you call me?" <laughs> but the but the yeah, I love it. There's the a lot of little clever things like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Like there are a lot of. Um, little secret allusions and things that um, Lemony Snicket peppered the books with. Yeah, like, I like that. Little flyover kids. Super kid- allusions and Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. flyover kids' heads, but. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yes. So I have, like, so I made a list from the show, but also from the books. So, <clears throat> and it's very cool how accurate, like, how close to the books the show is even down to the food nice yeah so you're right putanesca is like the the biggest yeah that's the standout food i think because yeah that's the food so count olaf has demanded that the children uh fix dinner for him and his theater troupe um and they're not sure what to cook so they find this cookbook and they decide they're gonna make pasta putanesca and they make their own pasta and you know make a fantastic dinner for everybody even though he gets grumpy and says they should have cooked roast beef. <laughs> yeah, and so that, I thought that was interesting. Um, that So there are three iterations of this. There's the books, there's the 2004 film, and then there's now there's the Netflix series. And in each iteration, the noodles are different. Like the, So they prepare the putanesca. The sauce itself has stayed the same. But where the noodles come from is... Oh, okay. <laughs> that's different. So in the book, the kids go... Uh, when they go with Justice Strauss to the market, they go to a noodle shop and they find interestingly shaped noodles or pasta there. So that's what they use. And then in the 2004 film, they find like random... <laughs> like random pasta in a drawer. <laughs> <laughs> We'll use this. And then they like prepare it and they strain it through like a, a screen, a window screen. Oh, right, or right. I that. <laughs> like a, a broken screen. And then in this one, Violet uh, repairs an old pasta maker and then makes yeah, pasta. Yeah. They actually make the pasta, which is impressive. <clears throat> I've never made pasta before. Have you? Yes. I made seaweed pasta Ooh. for Avatar The Last Airbender. Awesome. <laughs> Very cool. For the water tribe. Yeah. Well, I've made but... I've made puttanesca sauce, which I love because it's very salty and spicy. You put anchovies and um, olives and capers, yeah, but I made a puttanesca pizza. <laughs> oh yeah! So I used it for pizza sauce, and it was really good. <laughs> I think that's a very cool idea. Yeah, maybe if the orphans had made pizza, puttanesca pizza, Olaf would have been a little more happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. quite grumpy. Um, but that, I think that was the first time that I've had anchovies. Oh, really? Because I, I made the pasta puttanesca, like, I don't know, back in 2013, I think, or something for the blog, and and I was like, am I going to do Like, am I going to follow the recipe for real? And then I did, but, like, <laughs> it, and it was fine, because you, you, like, you'd cut up the anchovies small and stuff. So. Yeah. No, I've used anchovies quite a bit. Like, um, back in the day, I used to cook more, like, now I cook more Asian food at home, but I used to cook, like, more European food, and I would just use it all the time just in place of salt, you know? <laughs> I put mm-hmm. them in um, mashed potatoes, and they're really good. 
yeah, anchovy mashed potatoes. And, um, yeah, obviously, like, in, um, like, tomato sauces and stuff. It's really good. So Justice Strauss, when she takes them to the market in the show, she says, she has, like, a really nice quote about cooking. Because the, the orphans are like, yeah, we have to cook, you know, for Count Olaf and his theater troupe. Um, and then Justice Strauss says something really nice about cooking. I, I remember what you're talking about, but I don't remember the quote. Oh, here it is. An associate of mine named Burlet Saver famously said, to invite people to dine with us is to make ourselves responsible for their well-being for as long as they are under our roofs. But he was an 18th century philosopher and gourmand, and these, oh, yeah, and these were three children with very little catering experience. So, sorry, that's what um, Lemony Snicket a.k.a. Patrick Warburton, <laughs> who is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said. Um, but there's a... Uh, oh, here it is. Baudelaire's, I always find cooking for family to be somewhat of a mitzvah. Do you know what that means? And then the kids guess. They're like, commandment? And she says, blessing. So I thought that, thought that was really Aww. kind of a neat, because it was a, just a really sweet moment. Yeah. And Justice Strauss, oh, right? So we great. love Justice Strauss. Yeah, she's uh, John Cusack, and she's so sweet, and she wants children, and she wants to take care of the children. Yeah, so very nice. Yeah, and so, and she she actually said, do you know what that means? Like, she's like the only person so far that has asked them. Yeah, she like kind of gives like has um instead of saying this that means this assuming that they don't understand right right she thinks they, they she might yes them. <laughs> and that's like the time that that klaus didn't actually know what it yeah, meant she's like, the only one that kind of guessing, managed to stump them like <laughs> blessing yeah, yeah and it was so sweet i just thought that was really special that you know that it's cooking for families is, is a blessing. i know how beautiful yeah. And I definitely think that's true. I mean, I think that's why I've gotten so into cooking, which is weird because, I mean, I feel like it's a hobby that I can do without guilt because my, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, even if it takes time away from my family, like, they're reaping the benefits, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know, it's, it's something that, like, I enjoy doing anyway, but, but I feel like it's also beneficial to them and to the people I invite over and, you know. Yeah. Because responsible for their well-being yeah. as long as they're under your roof. Yeah. <laughs> they have another quote, so. um, like, um, that their dad said. Um, he he mm. had been making them quesadillas, and he burnt them. And, yeah. yeah, he says they're better than nothing. So that was kind of their um, their mantra as they were making this. <laughs> <laughs> but then <laughs> but then Patrick Roberton is like, if... <laughs> What does he say? He's the, the dialogue of if someone is like supposed to take care of you and they're like trying to, if they're and they're only after your money, and <laughs> blah, blah blah blah. It's like that's actually not better than that. right, right, right. <laughs> but, if they but, keep yeah, you in an but, attic and give you one awful bed yeah. to sleep on, yeah, he's like that. And a pile of rocks. That so. is not better than nothing. <laughs> You'd be better off with nothing. <laughs> yeah, but but we understand that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that their parents were. We're kind and had good, yeah, and we're tra- a good outlook trying on trying to take yeah. care of them, and yeah, I, I like that attitude too, because like you know, you know, a lot of us, I get upset when things aren't perfect, but yeah, just chill. Burnt quesadillas are not the end of the world, <laughs> so yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, and in the in the book there was it's like I shared it on the Instagram account for for the podcast. Um like the that the orphans were hoping that maybe if they prepared a a good meal that it would help their situation with Count Olaf. Like it would soften his disposition towards them. Yeah, so also in this episode, um, at one point, uh, <laughs> uh, Neil Patrick Harris, or yeah, Count Olaf will say, um, has <laughs> cupcakes, which, <laughs> which he's like, I spent all day making these, and they're like clearly from a store thing, and, and Sunny, <laughs> yeah. Sunny says, they're store-bought. I love how they use Sunny, like she just kind of baby babbles, and she has subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whatever she says is always very hum- humorous, because I think the kids can understand her, but none of the adults can, so... Yeah. <laughs> and they're raspberry, and he talks about raspberries. Yeah, and that's also, that, and that scene is in the book, yeah, that he, like, because at first they think that they, it might be poison, <laughs> but then that's why he's, Which, yeah, like, not... Count Olaf eats it, and then he just eats them all, <laughs> he eats all the raspberries. Look, I made them. you <laughs> cupcakes, yeah, but I'm going to eat in front of you. Know. He's, yeah. Yeah, otherwise, like, all he gives them is, like, gray oatmeal or whatever Ugh. like mush that's like just sitting in a pot on the stove for them every morning excellent like, <laughs> i mean at least there's that I yeah guess. he doesn't <laughs> starve them to death he's not a monster because <laughs> he needs yeah because he needs them <laughs> just enough alive right right so right <laughs> they can get their fortune yes so he wants to marry violet which yeah already talked about the yeah a little icky but <laughs> but not too bad um mm. he has his his henchmen which he actually calls them henchmen i love it um making wedding cake and, he, and one of them says one has a little nutmeg and one is a little lemony <laughs> and he's like oh you know i hate that never word. say that word <laughs> which yeah i thought that was yeah. very clever <laughs> that was super cute <laughs> and then yeah during yeah. the wedding they they sing here comes count olaf throw the rice peel off <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah, yeah, I love the twin ladies. They're... Yeah, like, they're the little old lady <laughs> twins, and they're... <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, all the henchmen, like, the actors, they're just perfect. Yeah! Like, everybody fits their role so Like, so well, cartoony. And, yeah, and they're all kind of weird. Yeah. Like, one has hook hands, one is, quote, of indiscriminate gender. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they're all very colorful. Yeah, and I feel like they, and they all are very like have their own traits too like their own personality which is neat like so they're not just like the minions right right they like each have their own personality Mm -hmm. even though they're like side characters right so that's really well they are actors so (laughs) that's right (laughs) actors theater (laughs) the theater (laughs) yes yeah yeah um, oh yeah, and we can't forget the. Um, there was also chocolate pudding, and I think it's cute that the um, speaking of the, the henchmen that like a couple of them understand what Sunny says, like, <laughs> or maybe they all do, but but a couple of them have commented about it, like like the baby said there'd be chocolate pudding. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, and then that was the guy they, with the hook hands. And then in the ser- in the TV series, they or Netflix series, they showed like that they were playing. He was playing poker with Sunny or whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that was. Really I cool. like, like it because it kind of shows they're kind of on her level too. You know. <laughs> yeah. Because they are very oh, childlike. Um, so in the show, it I I just um, I was flipping through the book and realized this. So in the show, it's raspberries on cupcakes, and then in the book, it's raspberries on oatmeal. Ah, okay. But I, but either way, yes, raspberries, which are also very. I thought it was interesting in the in the show. He's like lounging across the table, like as he is eating these raspberries, uh-huh. and it's like. I think that's the scene. But, yeah, like, raspberries. I mean, it could have been strawberries, too. Like, it's kind of like a seductive, you know what I mean? Like yeah. This, and he's just, like, popping them into his Right, right, because he is wearing, like, a bathrobe or something while he does this. <laughs> yeah. Aren't raspberries delicious? Yes. They were my favorite when I was your age. But we're all different ages. Right. <laughs> I like <laughs> saying that. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so pretty much... Oh, and also, like, you know, of course, in the first book and the first episode, where that's where we're introduced to all the characters, and so we learn that Sunny has four sharp teeth. Oh, right, right. We haven't even mentioned and, this. Hello, yeah. So she's she's and a biter. She loves, yeah, she loves. So she loves to eat to chew on hard things, and she's really good at like slicing stuff. Like, so she helps to like slice vegetables or bread or whatever. Right. <laughs> so it's just really, really oh, and cute, I forget. Yeah. So. so when they meet, um, when they meet Justice Strauss. Um, she mm-hmm. has just come from the market, and she's like, um, oh, and they haven't even, um, gone into Count Olaf's house yet. They're, they're, I know, they're hoping They're kind of a, a, arriving, and they home. thought that, like, she, she might be, you know, part of, uh, whatever. That um, family, so she, yeah. <laughs> Justice Strauss is like, I've just come from the market, and I have this baguette, but I have nothing to cut it with to eat. Yeah, and she says she has, um, white bean hummus like she really ever pronounces yeah. it and they're like oh perfect we're perfect for you because you know sunny can can um bite the baguette for you i know yeah. and then yeah. and then to learn that yeah that's really emotional yeah because like, they're the, like the they're so hopeful and, and her house is so cute yeah. and has like cherry blossoms and stuff in front of it and so sunny they're like they're like you're not going there you're going to this <laughs> dilapidated yeah, mansion yeah <laughs> And then we can't forget the boiled food. Like that's the first food mentioned in the in the show and in the in the the book series. Well, aside in the show, they added in like a, a toast clock that the kids. Oh made, right, right, anyway. right. <laughs> but like the boiled. So when they went to Pose after their parents, they had been notified that their parents had died in a fire. And then Mr. Poe, the banker who's over their fortunes. Um, I mean, he's a, he's not trying to steal their fortune, <laughs> but he, so he takes them in for one night while before he takes them to their, well, supposedly their the closest living relative. Anyway, but his wife prepares the boiled dinner. Do you remember that? And that's so that's in the book and in oh, the okay. show. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but the boiled so boiled chicken, boiled potatoes, and blanched. The word blanched here means boiled <laughs> string beans. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was interesting that they kept that, that, like, it's a whole dinner scene in the, yeah. in the, the show. And she has one cooking technique, which she sticks with. Yeah, and she tries, like, so in the show, she's trying to say, and blanched, you know, beans, and then Klaus was like, blanched just means blanched, <laughs> and she's like, ugh. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, that, so that's kind of interesting, because it's like this kind of, 
wholesome Americana setting or whatever, like family sitting down to meal, but then it's like everything's boiled. So that's like kind of a commentary of, I guess, the lack of creativity. Yeah, I don't know. Like, land and boring <laughs> Yeah, so, so that was just kind of interesting. Everything is yeah, yeah. like it's a purposeful thing. All right, book two. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Episodes three and four. <laughs> so. So, yeah. So the first so the first book is The Bad Beginning, or Orphans, and then the second book is The Reptile Room, or Murder. <laughs> those are not, I'm not making those up, like, in back in 2000, there were some editions of the books that had those, um, I think it was like 2007 paperbacks or something like that. That had those like so. nice. I like it. Alternate, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Titles. Cool. So they're driving up to their second guardian, um, Montgomery, Montgomery, and there's a strong smell of ginger as they're coming up to his house and horseradish and horse. Yeah, <laughs> spicy, lousy lane. Yeah. So they're obviously um, a little bit apprehensive because their first experience wasn't that great, but he turns out to be a really nice guy, and he immediately offers them coconut cream cake, and um, Sunny says she doesn't really like soft food, so he offers her a raw carrot that she can bite on. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, so it's really like, nice. He's so thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And he's so, like, upbeat, and was it John Cleese? That was, that played him in the movie, I think, and then this, the actor, and this, so they, I think they both did a really good job, but they, like, because the character is very, like, he's kind of busy, like, but he's also kind of jovial, and, like, he's kind, but also, so he was insightful, like, that he noticed about Sunny, that she would prefer a carrot, um, and then, but then later, it's like, wait, but then he's kind of oblivious to other things, so it's interesting, but yeah, he's a kind person yeah um yeah so coconut cake <laughs> um and that's when we learn um because mr poe doesn't really touch it like he takes one bite but then we do learn later on that he is lactose intolerant <laughs> so that might be yeah stay away from that poor mr poe with all his coughing he he needs to, like have some honey tea or something <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, and Brett Helquist did an illustration of the cake. <laughs> and also coconut cake makes its way in another one of the books, oh, too. Oh, okay, so recurrent. Um, yeah, but la- like later on I'll just... Because we'll, we'll post a, a link. Um, it's like the a li- the list of foods in the series on um, like the wiki, uh, the fandom wiki. Oh, nice. So it's just kind of a fun That's always idea. so convenient when someone puts that together. <laughs> I know, right? Especially if, like, we're doing an episode and you right. just <laughs> look at the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, pretty much, like, that's, <laughs> there's, like, mention of Peruvian food. Peruvian food tends to be sticky, so you have uh, you have to have at least one extra toothbrush whenever you go there. <laughs> Because they were all going to go to Peru. Right, right. And they do, um, yeah. uh, near the end, uh, they mention eating cooey, which I didn't know what that was, and it's a guinea pig. Oh, I totally didn't. Um, yeah, I've actually read about that, 
Um, I mean, just years and years ago, but I didn't even catch that yeah. um, in the show. And so, so apparently, yeah, you it. can cook them. <laughs> so. so it's interesting because in the book, so the, the book for the Reptile Room actually it has more, like, terror, I guess, than the than the show in, in this case, uh, because Stefano, or who Count Olaf was pretending to be, <laughs> um, like, in the book, like, he has this knife that he is constantly threatening the orphans oh, with. Oh, man. Like, oh, what if I should accident... Like, you don't all have to... You don't have to be... Like, you have to be alive, but you don't have to be in one piece, basically. He's like, what if this... What if this knife just <laughs> happened to fall and cut off one of Sonny's toes? Or whatever. Like, so they were in terror. And then, like, he would kind of, like, poke... Like, he was, like, rubbing the blade under like on Violet's knee or something like under the table at one point and like I know it's yeah, like oh so my god threatening. <laughs> and then he would like yeah so he was just always and he would like watch them when they slept like he was down the hall but he would be sitting in a chair with his knife like Ooh. watching their bedroom doors and stuff yeah right so <laughs> yeah that was intense situation um so yeah so that knife um, they went into the kitchen to prepare dinner. Stefano smiled menacingly at the children as he sliced the mushrooms. But Uncle Monty was too busy making sure the stroganoff sauce didn't boil to even notice that Stefano was using his own threatening knife for the chopping. Yeah. So it's like Uncle Monty was great, but then he was also kind of like oblivious. Yeah. In ways like... Yeah, he's kind of too into his own thing yeah. that he didn't see what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, he's so wrapped up in his herpetological society right. things. And, um, yeah, and the whole zombies in the snow, like, that whole scene is not in the book. I mean, they did go see zombies in the snow, mm-hmm. but it, there wasn't, like, secret codes. So so I do, like I said, I like how in the Yeah, story, yeah, they're, kind of they're fle- doing the fleshed, same thing, but then adding that layer of detail. Yeah, yeah fleshed that out, cool. the whole other arc yeah, that's going I didn't on. Yeah, do it. Yeah. So, and then the wide. What should we just move on to? Yeah. So that I only watched the first four episodes, so I haven't seen the second half of the series. Well, so (laughs) this is where Count Olaf is Captain Sham, and he has this whole song. Like I can't even remember. (laughs) Like I. (laughs) Um. So there's. So I guess the most um, memorable food from the wide window is. Aunt Josephine's cucumber soup. Oh, right. I remember you were talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, I don't know if you remember the the movie, because the movie was, the 2004 movie was the first three books. Okay. Yeah, I saw it, but I really have no recollection of it, so. So it was with Meryl Meryl Streep. Okay. um, And she was Aunt Josephine. um, But in this one, oh, it's a a wonderful actress in this one. I, I can't remember her name. Um, oh yeah, I, and I really like that they're bringing like actors of color into this where they can. Yeah, yeah so that's nice because it's a regular world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's like not just white people here. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. So it's very cool. Um, and yeah, and in the book, like I think Uncle Monty, yeah, is described as having um, darker skin and okay, like yeah. So he, that's that's Asif so. Monby. And then, um, mm-hmm. we'll see, Aunt Josephine is, um, Alfre Woodard. Yeah, I like her, too. Yeah. 
so they're just they're really great yeah the whole cast is just spot on um and so so aunt josephine is an oh my gosh aunt josephine is a person who um is like scared of everything basically she's very careful and so in her house she doesn't have electricity or or she like she has a phone but she doesn't use it like she's scared of using it um anyway she's a very, she's a very trying person like she's not evil but she's just so afraid that she is that she becomes very much like not not a very good guardian like, <laughs> and the kids notice that um well that that's right a good away, example but... of what you were talking about earlier like you know another good person that that has a flaw that is you know not beneficial to the children yeah exactly yeah um everybody's so, everybody's yeah, bad cool. in their own way <laughs> yeah and it, and it is it's it's nice that it's um not nice but um i appreciate and it's uh intelligent and impressive how lemony snicket you know worked all that yeah in. it's kind of like i wonder if he like made a list of because <laughs> there are 13 books and so there okay. are and there are many grown-ups that are bad to the children so it's like did he make a list yeah 13 of different ways how they can be <laughs> guardians yeah or people can be bad to children right but um so with cucumber soup um so because the kids are like oh like cozy soup or warm soup would be so nice because there it's like a lakeside it's very um but it's very much like this cold damp area you know so and foggy you know so just get that kind of atmosphere and so soup warm soup would be so nice but and then the the kids are like oh that'll just like basically like warm our hearts and stuff and Aunt Josephine's like oh no I you know it's cold like I don't use the stove or whatever like I that's too dangerous and so it's cold cucumber soup and they have that often and then there's also mention of lime stew but like so everything is cold yeah um and which is um, delightful in the summertime if you don't want to be over a hot stove (laughs) but I know exactly yeah it's not exactly gonna warm your bones so um and peppermints also play a, an important role in this book, um, because we learn that the Baudelaire's are very allergic to peppermints. Well, they're not going to die from them or like stop breathing, but they so they they have allergic reactions oh, okay. to peppermints. Um, and Mr. Poe loves peppermints and offers them some, but they, I mean, they accept the bag, but they don't partake. They're like, <laughs> yeah, we we can't, you know, we. But the peppermints come into play later. Um, when they need to like get out of a situation, they, um, they each each of the Baudelaire's like has a peppermint so that they can like appear sick. Mm-hmm. Well, which they do have allergic reactions so that they can like leave the situation. So that comes in comes in handy. Perfect. <laughs> How clever. Yeah. And then the other um, standout or memorable food is um, there's this restaurant called the Anxious Clown. Nice. Good <laughs> restaurant name. Yeah, I know. I'm going to take that. <laughs> I know. And that scene, I feel like that scene was kind of um, done really well in the show. Like, kind of bu- built up more, um, and a little bit more depth was was added to it. Um, but there's the, oh, no, I can't remember the name of it. I'm, like, trying to find it in the, <laughs> in, in the book. But it's, like, a smiling burger. It's a cheer-up burger, I think. <laughs> so it's, like, a little hamburger with, like, you know, the smiley face. 
Oh, meringue pie is mentioned because Aunt Josephine is like super afraid of realtors, so it's a, an irrational fear. And then Lemony Snicket, you know, as the narrator, is trying to you know describe what an irrational fear is. <laughs> so he mentions, he mentions like lemon meringue. If they were afraid of lemon meringue pie, this would be an irrational fear because lemon meringue pie is delicious <laughs> and has never hurt a soul. <laughs> Absolutely no reason to be afraid of it. Yeah. So, anyway, so there are just, you know, there are a lot of food mentions, um, but the, those are the ones that kind of stand out, as the peppermints, the um, cold cucumber soup especially, and then the, like, the cheer up, the little smiley face burger. Um, and then, but also food-wise, so there are the lacrimose leeches that live in Lake Lacrimose. <laughs> and um, if you... So you know how when you swim, it's like don't swim an hour after or until an hour after eating because you'll get a cramp or whatever. No, you don't. <laughs> you there's a rule that you do not get in Lake Lacrimose until an hour after you've eaten because otherwise the lacrimose leeches will eat you. <laughs> so that's what happened to Aunt Josephine's wife Ike, and because he had like eaten some tamales or something and hadn't waited the appropriate time and then the lack of oh okay <laughs> but then we learned that it was Count Olaf sorry spoiler that it was Count Olaf that made the tamales like served Ike the tamales so anyway yeah so it really builds up the series you really really get uh, like you kind of understand who Count Olaf is and so like what his background yeah. is a little more yeah. than you do in the books um yeah. And Captain Sham says, because, so at Count Olaf and he is missing a leg, I was eating some pasta with Putinesca sauce, and I spilled some on my leg before I knew it, the leeches were attacking. But of course, he's saying that to Aunt Josephine, but in front of the orphans. So they're like, what? That was us that made the... Like, so he, they know that he's alluding to them, how they... um got out of his clutches or whatever mm-hmm. in the first book. Yeah. So, then the fourth book, there's a lot of gum, chewing gum, and you'll see that when you watch the the show. Oh, okay. Um, so, there, so it's The Miserable Mill is the fourth book, and the kids end up at a sawmill. Or a lumber, a lumber mill, lumber mm-hmm. and the the people who work there are paid with coupons, like twenty percent off, <laughs> like laundry detergent or whatever. Like it's really horrible, and I guess it's a com- it's probably a social commentary about like the poor wages of workers yeah. and stuff. But um, but also for lunch, for they have a five minute lunch break, and they are given pink squares of chewing gum like they're giving they're given chewing gum for their lunch (laughs) what yeah so nutritious (laughs) yeah and then at night um there's just like a dormitory or like a you know a building with bunk beds and stuff um for the workers and that's where the kids the kids are like the guardian there is the owner of the sawmill and he's like yeah put them to work like it builds character whatever like so they actually just end up living with the workers and like the working in the lumbering like it's scary and terrible like of course you shouldn't put kids in a 
situation, like a work situation of dangerous equipment and stuff. So that's also another commentary I'm showing, but, um, but they have casserole for dinner. So like, uh, beef casserole, um, but like, of course it's not supposed to be like beef casserole kind of sounds good, but, um, it's not supposed to be <laughs> beef casserole. I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could make a tasty one, but just like calling it that, you'd have to give it a nice name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there is okay. So I love Rice Darby. I don't. I think I'm saying his name right. Rice Darby. He, he is, and he's in this. Um, but it's kind of cool. So. In the book, it's the owner of the lumber mill is, they just name him Sir. And, and then he has, oh, what is, he has a partner who's played by Rice Darby in the show. And, and it's kind of cool because it, I mean, it alludes to that they are, that they're gay, like they're, but they're partner, so like partner as in like they are a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, but also business partners. And so, like, that's... But Rice Darby is so cute! Like, and... and <laughs> I just love him because he's the voice of Koran in Voltron Legendary Defender. But he's also done other things. Like, he was the voice of a of a penguin character in Jake and the Netherland Pirates. And, like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, he has a very distinct... Is it Australian? I... I always get Australian and, like... Um, oh, yeah, he's different. from New Zealand. So, New Zealand, yeah. okay, yeah. So he has a very distinct, I mean, he has that, the New Zealand accent, but also just his own way of speaking. Is, oh, anyway, okay, I just, I'm not really familiar with him, person. I'll have to, yeah, wait till I get to this. You're gonna fall in love with <laughs> him when you see him, and, uh, yeah, so he's, so now, like, I can't not see him with, and hear his voice with this. <laughs> anyway, but like he he's very kind or he tries to be very kind to the children. Um but he is kind of a pushover for Sir. Like Sir, like he's too afraid to stand up to Sir. I mean, he tries to, but then like to stand up for the kids and he kind of like passes them some like peaches, which is interesting. There's also peaches mentioned in the second book. Um one of the henchmen. Oh right, they try to lure the snake with peaches. Yeah, yeah I they, remember that. like in the book too, they like, uh, yeah, and it's like they try to pilfer some peaches out of like canned peaches out of Uncle Monty's cabinet, <laughs> like um, Uncle Monty's dead, and then and the kids are like, those are his peaches, like, <laughs> and then in this book in the Miserable Mill, um, I think it's a peach that, um, oh, I can't, I just can't remember his Charles. I think maybe his name was Charles. Um, that he is eating a peach. Or about to eat a peach, and then he realizes that the kids haven't had any lunch. Like, they've only been given gum, and so he kind of secretly gives them the peach. Nice. I think it's a peach, or maybe it's a... I'm pretty sure it's a peach. Um, and then the kids distribute it between the three of them. Um, and then Sunny, I think Sunny might eat the pit. <laughs> With her sharp little teeth. like that. Yeah. Um... And then there's the, the other food that I remember is oh yeah, he was holding a peach there. I mm -hmm. found it. Um, raisins, but I think it was just in a in a narrative like yeah. But otherwise, there's not. 
like a ton of food. I mean, I have a lot of tabs, but let me see. Oh, beef jerky. Mmm, beef jerky. I've been meaning to come by, but the ironing ironing took a long time. Because, yeah, Charles, like, irons Sir's shirts and things like that. Like, does all the domestic things. Mm-hmm. I, I brought you some beef jerky. I was afraid to take more than a little bit because Sir would know that it was missing. But here you go. Isn't that... Yeah. Like, he's, he's trying to be nice, but then he's also... Because that's another part of, like... He's not... Like, he would be a good guardian, but he's letting... He's not standing up for himself or the children, like... So it's kind of like if there's a mother and father and the father was, like, abusive and the mom is, like, not standing up to that. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... It kind of makes me think of that kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, but like, the abuse is not the beating or anything, but, like, putting the kid, Well, putting the kids in harm's way, none, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, and there's an illustration of, of like, a spaghetti-looking kind of casserole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, the raisins... Oh, Dr. Orwell, who is... Uh, in cahoots with Count Olaf. Count Olaf dresses up as a receptionist named Shirley, or a secretary named Shirley. <laughs> so, so look forward to that. Neil Patrick nice. Harris in, um, yeah, in the episode seven and eight, <laughs> just something like that. Um, and she says in the book and in the show, have you ever encountered? So, Doctor Orwell is an optometrist or an eye doctor. Um, have you ever encountered, Dr. Orwell said, in your reading, the expression, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar? Tuzmo, Sonny replied, which means something along the lines of, I don't believe so. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, well, the expression doesn't really have to do with flies, Dr. Orwell explained. It's just a fancy way of saying that you're most likely to get what you want by acting in a sweet way, like honey, rather than in a distasteful way, like vinegar. That's interesting, Klaus said, wondering why Dr. Orwell is bringing it up. I suppose you wonder why I'm bringing it up, <laughs> Dr. Orwell said. Anyway, and then we learn why, because that's when we meet Shirley, a.k.a. Count Olaf. Nice. <laughs> um, oh, here it is. I admit it. No, Charles admitted. I can't do anything of, I can't do any of those things, uh, meaning any of those things to be helpful to the children. Sir would get mad at me, and we can't have that. But tomorrow I will try and sneak you some raisins at lunchtime. Okay. It was not okay, of course, not at all. Raisins are healthy, and they are inexpensive, and some people may even find them delicious, but they are rarely considered helpful. <laughs> in, in fact, raisins were one of the least helpful things Charles could offer if he really wanted to help. Come yeah. on, Charles, get it together. So, yeah, so the standout in, in um, Miserable Mill would be gum, casserole, and raisins. <laughs> well, and then and then there's the peach too. But yeah. So you have some more foods to look forward to. So I like I have the other books in the series, but I kind of don't want to read them before because now I kind of want to watch. Oh, the okay. Show so you'll first. wait for season two if they have one. I'm like I'm still kind of contemplating whether I should read the books first and then watch the show or do I want the show to unfold the story yeah. for me 
like anyway but i'm super enjoying the show yeah it's great much recommend so shall we talk about other recipes um like around the web sure allison's wonderland recipes um who we've mentioned before and she's uh, one of our fellow fandom foodies um, she did back in uh, April 2016. She did a series of unfortunate events menu. So yeah, so I love how each month she had like focuses on. A, a yeah, she picks a, a theme and does series. like several recipes, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So she did um, Uncle Monty's coconut cake. She did um, black bean and mango salad. So there's 13 books, and then there's also the Beatrice letters um, and lemony snicket. Uh, the narrator of the of the books uh, and the series, he mentions Beatrice all the time, like his his dead love, basically. Um, but Beatrice does get her own book, and she makes um, one of her standout foods is um, this like black bean mango salad. Nice, and so, that sounds delicious. Yeah, Allison made that. Um, she also made the Putinesca and cucumber soup, chilled cucumber soup, because those really are yeah, the, the standout ones that, foods, the main yeah. foods, yeah. Um, and then we've got in The Guardian, um, the Little Library Cafe. Um, she is great. Um, and sh- so she she is a, f- a food, a book food uh, person. And she also writes uh, for The Guardian, uh, food and books uh, section. And she did raspberry muffins. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure which. Oh, f- oh it, from The Miserable Mill. Oh, oh yeah, I remember the scene um, because at one point, and it's interesting how they did it in the show. That was like huge twist to me, anyway. Um, I did not see that coming, but um, so so one chapter begins with the narrator saying, you know, morning is an important time of day because of how you spend your morning can often tell what kind of day you're going to have. For instance, if you wake up to the sound of twittering birds and find yourself in an enormous canopy bed with a butler standing next to you holding a breakfast of freshly ba- freshly made muffins and hand-squeezed orange juice on a silver tray, you will know that your day will be a splendid <laughs> Which, so the narrator says that in juxtaposition to, or in contrast to the Baudelaire's waking uh, up, yeah. with, like to nothing at like a lumber mill in a dormitory like in a bunk bed or whatever like, yeah not gonna um, be a great day yeah but in the show i maybe i won't say it because it's like a twist but they do have this scene of kids waking up in a fancy house being given muffins and squeezed orange juice so yeah so raspberry muffins mm-hmm. uh and then um Let's see. Binge watch a series of unfortunate events while eating a series of unfortunate recipes. And my... <laughs> I didn't notice this, but my photo of the... Of pasta put... My pasta put Nesca photo is like the the main photo for this little article. <laughs> Where's that? Which, which website? Um, It's Am Reading. A.M. Reading. Um, but it's, yeah. Oh, yeah, so we should mention that your pasta puttanesca is, like, the official recipe, because... Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah one of the, one of the, the actors... Actor, who tweeted it? Maddie Carter-Opel, who played the henchman of indeterminate gender. Oh, nice. 
Awesome. Yeah, so that was really cool. The the actor, uh, like, I guess someone on Twitter, like, said something to the actor about, like, the pasta puttanesca, and the, and the actor was like, yeah, here's, here's the recipe for it. And it was linked to me. I was awesome. Like, <laughs> it was just cool, because, I mean, other people have also made the puttanesca. Yeah. And so... <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then we've got... Uh, so there are... So many... Like I said, many people have done the Putinesca. Um, and then uh, there are people who have done the... Uh, Putinesca is the most done one. Yeah. Um, and then the coconut cake and cucumber soup uh, also. Um, and so something that I stumbled upon while looking you know, for what recipes of unfortunate events are out there that people have done um, was an article on Bon Appetit. Um, and it's an interview with the cast of the Netflix show talking about um, their most unfortunate cooking disasters. So we'll put a link to that. And I thought that was just really, <laughs> really cute, you know, because it's Bon Appetit, you know, all about food. But then, like, so what question would they ask, of course? Yeah you know, to interview the cast, and it was, you know, because it's Unfortunate Events show, it's, like, Unfortunate Yeah, we don't want to hear about your good recipes, we want to hear about your disasters, because, yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's great. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, so it's just some cute stuff, and, like, I'll just mention a couple, like, Neil Patrick Harris, who plays Count Olaf, um, like, he ruined a Christmas dinner, or, like, he was in charge of the brisket, um, and, you know, he let it cook in the smoker overnight, uh, but overnight, apparently, the fire had gone out, and we ended up with a terrible, unevenly cooked brisket. We threw it in the oven, or, yeah, they threw it in the oven, and then they saved the day. But, like, so that was his, I guess, undercooked brisket. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then um, Daniel Handler, who is Lemony Snicket, and he's also the executive producer and the writer for the show, he um, was trying to make, like... Well, he had bread pudding in mind, but then he was like, why can't I just use cookies instead of bread? And then, like, it didn't turn out at all, <laughs> like, with, with pudding and, like, pudding and then cookies, and he put it in the oven. But, of course, the pudding, you know, melted because it's in the heat. Right. And, so, and he said that, like, his friends, he lost friends <laughs> <laughs> who he's never regained. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's just fun. And then, of course, um, the other cast members, um, even Patrick Warburton, um, he said that his girl gets set on fire often, and so it's just, so it's really nice. cool. Um, even the henchmen get their words in. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll put, we'll put a link to all those, um, recipes and then, and fun articles, um, and including the food list, um, on the fandom wikia it's titled the filthy food <laughs> and it goes it's re- it's a really great list like um you know a through z of of the foods and then it has references for uh well some of them are referenced it looks like not all of them actually say like where they're from but <laughs> but they're in the series somewhere like salmon puffs and wasabi mm. And, yeah, and locks. So, like, a lot of food that... It would be fun to have, like, a little cookbook. Just yeah. Just to, like, go through. Totally. Anyway. But, yeah, let's... So, let's talk about our yes. foods. So, I made white bean hummus. 
Because <laughs> I like Justice Strauss so much. She was so cute. Now, did Elon cut the bread with his teeth? Uh, no. His <laughs> teeth are not as sharp as Sunny's. <laughs> but he does say equally adorable things. So, yeah, so I just made, like, a really simple hummus. Um, I used dried white beans, which, um, you know, went that extra step. Um, not too difficult to cook. Just soak them, and then, you know, I cooked them with um, some carrot and onion to flavor them. And then I just made them with, like, lemon and herbs and tahini. And it was very simple, and I did get a baguette to eat it with. And I, I did some, like, um, sliced radishes, which are really nice. Mm. And... Oh, raw carrot. I didn't even make that connection. But yeah, <laughs> I did do carrot sticks. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So I got that little tie-in too. Yeah, so very, oh, very simple, but it was good. I mean, it, and we just ate it for dinner. I like eating like snacky foods for dinner. <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah. Like hummus for dinner. I, I haven't had hummus in a while, but I really like yeah, it. Yeah, I do too. Like so. I make it, mm, I hadn't made it in a while, but it like, used to be a fairly regular thing. Either like the classic, you know, with... um with chickpeas, or I make a really good edamame hummus, too. So I like different mm. varieties. I've made a black bean hummus before, too. Yeah. You can use whatever nice. beans you want. Yeah, I've only ever done chickpea. So, yeah, just, like, the super basic, like... So, yeah, so I like the sound of, of the white Yeah, bean it was good. And I put, like, um, rosemary and thyme in it. And lemon. Mm. And garlic. Rosemary yeah. and thyme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always, whenever somebody says those two together, I always. <laughs> so how about you? So, yeah. So, so yeah. So in the past I've made the pasta puttanesca. Um, and then like I was thinking of doing the coconut cake. Um, well, and I, I did make a coconut cake and I, you know, posted the, the quote from the book and the image, an image, um, on our Instagram. Um, but when we did our Peter Pan episode, like we talked about Captain yeah, Hook's he also cake has a co- with the green sugar, cake. and so it's like, well, a coconut cake that would be kind of redundant, you know, <laughs> to do another coconut cake. Um, but I'm still kind of up in the air, like <laughs> about about that. So I did, so I made a coconut cake for Hook and Uncle Monty, I guess. <laughs> that totally works. Um, I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, but, um, and then the, I, like, for years now, I've wanted to do the, the cold coconut soup, so I did that. Oh, cucumber um, soup. Wait, wait coconut I said, soup. I said coconut, <laughs> coconuts on the brain. That sounds pretty good, though. Like, I'm kind of, it's going through my mind now. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe Aunt Josephine would do that. Um, so, yeah, cucumber soup. And the, another reason why I really wanted to do that was because um, of Robin Ha's banchan uh, in two pages. So I mentioned Robin Ha before, um, I think, she did a, a Korean cooking cookbook, but it, with comics. Um I think I mentioned that before on here, uh, but that kind of goes along with the comic food yeah, kind of thing, awesome. too. Yeah, <laughs> um, It's all coming together. But she, yeah, so um, she has a cookbook, um, but she also does, on Tumblr, banchan in two pages. Um, so banchan is the like kind of a Korean side dishes on the table, and she has a recipe for... Uh, cold coconut. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. I like cold cucumber soup. Um, and so I made, and also on Instagram you can see the picture of it um, with the with the quote from the book. Um, 
I kind of made a an adaptation of of her. So this is a Korean recipe um, for cucumber soup, um, and in the original recipe, it has like soy sauce and uh, fish sauce, cucumbers, onions, um, a little bit of red chili, uh, and vinegar and, sh- and sugar. Um, and so. Uh, for but like adaptation wise like just I mean you can keep in all the ingredients or um, I found that like less onion and I mean just for like my taste and then the the um, red chili so not really spicy version because I and then you could also if you wanted um, stir in yogurt I guess because often coconut or cucumber <laughs> cucumber soups. Um, will have like yogurt. Oh, okay, in it. sounds like a right. Um, and the, <laughs> yeah, and when you see so people the renditions that people have done online, you know, is is that um, like you mix it in a blender. But uh, I I would say <laughs> that Aunt Josephine would not use a blender <laughs> because it electricity electricity and. I'm sure she could imagine so many ways that a blender could go awry. Right. Um, and so in the show, and I think in the movie too, they just, it's like wa- basically water and cucumber slices and ice cubes <laughs> is what it looks like. Um, but I like, she, I guess that means she uses a knife. <laughs> I mean, no, no, she just crushes them with her like bare hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like, honestly, I would just see, like, if Aunt Josephine is afraid of everything, wouldn't she just, like, eat the cucumber like just hold the whole cucumber in her hand and just like eat it and maybe sprinkle some salt on it right like, right right <laughs> I don't even know if she would like cut it but um but yeah so so basically so it's like you just make a, a cold broth I guess and then you know put um put the coconut oh my gosh I can't <laughs> stop saying coconut um cucumber I think you definitely have like a brain wiring thing like that Happening. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. Forever now. It's gonna. It's gonna mm-hmm. be sad. Um. But in the book, they talk about the flavor of mint. That's why I almost forgot. Oh, about that, that sounds delightful. Fact. Oh yeah. Cucumber. So and mint that's together. the way I made it. Nice. Was um, minced fresh mint, cucumber, and just like a little bit of onions and green onions, and um. Fish sauce, I think, is is important to keep in, even though I'm not totally like into fish and stuff. Um, but just because they live next to a lake, oh, okay, I that smart. Was yeah, kind of a good uh, good thing. So, so anyway, yes, that's so that's the recipe I'll post. Um, and but again, like it's it's based on Robin Ha and her um, banchan. So we'll, and that there'll be a link to that too. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So I guess we're ready to wrap it up. Um, you can find, we'll post our recipes as well as links to anything we talked about at our website, fictionkitchenpodcast.com. Yeah, and you can find us on Twitter at FKPod and on Instagram at Fiction Kitchen Podcast. And our upcoming episode is The Little White Horse and The Secret of Moonacre, which is the, the adaptation um, of that book. And the book is by Elizabeth 
Gooch. Don't know if I'm saying the last name. <laughs> this beautiful story. I'm so excited for us to I know. That. I'm excited too. I've never. One of the greatest chefs in lit- in literature is in that book. Excellent. Yeah, looking forward to it. So, so um, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time, unless something very unfortunate has happened to you in the meantime, which for which we will be very sad. But life must go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Oh, just just sing Look Away. <laughs> Look Away. <laughs> I can't remember that. <laughs>